It's time to get a bit messy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, football friends from all around our world, welcome to episode four of the Getting a Bit Messy show here on WECB. I, as always, am your host for the day, Connor Donovan, joined by my football-loving friend and amazing co-host, Nandan Nair. You'll notice, Nandan, the studio's a little bit emptier today, as again, our usual co-host, Thomas, can't be with us this week, and we did not have enough time to organize another guest in his absence. As always, our show here today is going to consist of the breakdown matches, the bigger games that are more noteworthy, and then quick-fire notes from around Europe, one or two notes from each of the lesser-known games followed by our short break where we hop into this week's Honker of the Week coronation ceremony and our usual predictions at pace that we end the show with. Which, by the way, if anyone's keeping track, after three weeks, Nandan is leading our predictions at pace with seven points. Yes, sir. Nandan, it may just be you and me here in the studio today, but are you ready to get a bit messy? Absolutely, Connor. Let's get right into it. Awesome, man. So Derby's on the way, but Derby's already done as well in England as we're starting off our breakdown matches in Liverpool, England, where it was Liverpool, the Mighty Reds, blanking Everton 2-0 in the Merseyside Derby. Mo Salah converted a penalty just before the 80th minute to give the Reds the lead. Liverpool were held out of the goal for large portions of the game by Everton's stark defense and Jordan Pickford, who always seems to have a prime performance against Liverpool. I don't know what it is, but he just decides anytime he plays Liverpool, that's going to be his best game of the season. <laughs> yeah, Pickford's a he's a funny guy. I think he always, every single time I see him in a Merseyside derby, he always turns into prime Casillas or that or, you know, some... Um, prime Neuer, prime yeah. Neuer. Yeah, absolutely. Liverpool also outshot Everton 26-6 in this game and put in an absolutely dominant performance that I am definitely proud of as a Liverpool fan. But I was unimpressed with Costas Simikas, and I think that we are in some real danger long-term with this Andy Robertson shoulder injury. How do you feel about that, Nandam? Yeah, I am a little worried for Liverpool right now, I'm not going to lie, especially because so much of Klopp's play relies on having those explosive fullbacks coming in from the pack with, you know, Alexander-Arnold, and in this case, it would have been Simikas or Robertson, but now, you know, I don't know. Uh, who's going to step in for them? Do you have any thoughts? Who do you think is going to fill the gap for now? I honestly don't have a straight answer for you because I think, honestly, the way it looks right now is that it's either going to be a youngster like Luke Chambers or um, Callum Scanlon, also mm-hmm. featured in the Europa League this week. So I just, I, I'm not impressed with Simikas at the moment. I know that Simikas is like our actual backup left back, <laughs> but it just, it doesn't feel like Simikas is up to par with the rest of the squad at the moment. Mm, you think Klopp would ever dabble in a little bit of a 3 4 3 maybe? try and switch it up. I don't think that our defense is conceding at a low enough rate right now <laughs> to switch to a VAC 3. Fair enough, fair enough. You never know. Klopp might dabble a little here and there. Anyways, defensive worries out of the way. Ryan Gravenberch, Alexis McAllister, and Dominic Soboslai were boys against men against the Everton midfield in this game with Ryan Gravenberch looking particularly impressive in his first Premier League start for Liverpool. Yeah, he looked really good out there, I'm not going to lie. Um, I think they're going to really like getting him from Bayern. He kind of feels like a Thiago-type signing for me, where you know he's that really marquee midfielder. He has a bit of class to him. Uh, I think Bayern was a bit of a wrong move for Grabenberch anyways. I think he needed to go somewhere where he's getting consistent playing time. 
Uh, and we're seeing what he can do when he has that. So I think it's been a really good pickup by Klopp in Liverpool. I was certainly confused by the Gravenberg situation while he was at Bayern Munich, but I am certainly pleased with the Gravenberg situation <laughs> now that he's playing his football with the Reds. 100%. Then late on in stoppage time, 90th plus 7th minute, our Lord and Savior Darwizzi. Darwin <laughs> Nunez back at it again, on a le- unleashed on a brutal counterattack. Sliding the ball across perfectly to Mo Salah, who smartly held his run to stay on side and smashed it inside Pickford's near post to put the game to bed and see Liverpool win 2-0 on the day. Would it really be a Merseyside derby without a late, late Liverpool goal? I don't think it would be. No, it wouldn't be right if Liverpool didn't score a late goal at Anfield in the Merseyside derby. But yeah, great result. No, no surprises, but great result nonetheless. Speaking of derbies, Nandan, oh, I'm sure right. you're going to have a lot to say about this game. Oh. We're going to move over to a London derby, where this past weekend it was Chelsea hosting Arsenal. Oh boy, wow. what did I say in the predictions from last episode? I strongly felt that Chelsea would find themselves with a penalty on the day, and sure enough, about 20 minutes in, Cole Palmer scores a penalty and Chelsea lead. Massive, massive uh, turning point in the game there. I think Chelsea came out the gates really, really strong. They were pressing Arsenal from the start, uh, not giving them any time on the ball, forcing them into errors and giveaways in their own defensive half. Uh, And I think that goal was deserved. Uh, You can argue about the handball, but I think in my eyes, he's jumping out for it. His end's probably halfway off to, I don't even know, halfway off to us at this point. Um, So I think it was a deserved pen, and, you know, he slots it away as usual. 100%. 100%. Yeah, that handball rule is just really confusing right now, isn't it? Like yeah. you watch you watch a game right now and you have no idea what they're going to call, whether <laughs> whether they're going to they're going to give the penalty or they're not going to give the penalty. They never explain to you exactly what the infringement was, so it's always hard to decide as a spectator. Yeah, but I'm not complaining personally. You'll be also happy that Mikalo Mudrik has scored again for Chelsea My and against Starboy. against Arsenal this time, who, by the way, were the club that was probably baiting Mudrik the most in the transfer market, or Mudrik was baiting Arsenal the most in the transfer say, market. No, I was. it was a great moment. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I, at halftime, I went to grab something to eat, um, and by the time I came back, he had already scored. I, just, I saw the ball go in right as I walked in. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, you can argue all you want whether that was a cross or a shot. I saw some things uh, about how the goalkeeping coach was telling him that Raya loves to come off his line to try and catch him off. Is it true? I don't know. Um, but great finish nonetheless, and that was a huge, huge moment in the game. Chelsea were so in control. Chelsea were very much in It was a very confusing performance as a neutral <laughs> watching that game because I haven't seen Chelsea play that well since I was at match day one in London when they hosted Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And watching them play this game, like they completely played Arsenal off the field for almost all of the game until until a horrible Robert Sanchez giveaway in the back let Declan Rice slot one home at the far post from 30 yards out with 12 minutes left to play despite Arsenal again being played off the pitch. And it was so unnecessary as well. If you watch the flow of the game, Arsenal were, you know, kind of pushed back. Like, they didn't really feel like they were able to press and get the ball off Chelsea. And then Sanchez, out of nowhere, I don't even know who he was passing that one to. Um, And it's a stupid error. Uh, I love how Sanchez has been this season. He's been incredible. But that's one of those kind of things where if you really want to compete with the best, you have to be turned on at all times. And that was just... Terrible, terrible giveaway. Yeah, it's a silly mistake, right? Mm -hmm. And Sanchez in that scenario, if he just boots the ball long and clears it, 
Arsenal don't score a goal there. I'm I genuinely am of the opinion that if Sanchez either A just slams the ball into Arsenal's half or B makes a competent pass to the defender, uh Chelsea hold on to this game and win 2-0. I'm firmly of that belief. I think without that goal, Arsenal would not have been able to grab themselves back in. Yeah, 100%. Silly mistake from Sanchez lets Arsenal back into the game. 84th minute, so after this mistake, 84th minute, Reese James is subbed on. Reese James returned from injury, and I famously texted our group chat, <laughs> quote unquote, it's over for Arsenal. Reese James is back from injury. Also in the 84th minute of that game, Leandro uh, Trussard sneaks to the back post on Reese James's side of the field and catches Chelsea sleeping and equalizes by roofing it over Sanchez's head. In fairness to Reese James, it was Gusto that was man marking Trussard. Uh, I also have to say in our group chat, um, around the time of the corner, I texted, quote, you know, Arsenal could really do well if they brought Saka on now. And uh, about two minutes later, Saka crosses in and gets the assist on Trossard's goal. So, um, yeah, you, yeah. D- you decided to have a laugh and poke fun at Bukayo Saka because you thought he was non-existent in that game. And then <laughs> suddenly Bukayo Saka score- he, shows up he, and has he, the game-winning assist. He so. took that one personally, but you know what? Oh, well. Um, I will say, you know, Connor, you mentioned as a neutral that this felt like such a bizarre game from Chelsea. I have to say as a Chelsea fan, uh, this is an average Tuesday for us. Um Going ahead 2-0 in a game we were expected to be absolutely bossed and then throwing it away in the last 10 minutes with the stupidest of mistakes is 100% the Chelsea experience. I think I think that's the other thing I texted you in the group chat yep. that day was I think <laughs> Chelsea just out-Chelsea'd themselves. <laughs> yep. Um, I was in very much unbearable pain at the end of that game. That felt like a yeah, loss. Yeah, especially since you were watching it with Max, who was oh, our guest my. host last Max. week, for those of you who missed it. And Max is a big Arsenal fan, so yeah, Max, Max was letting Nandan hear all the business Oh, that yeah, game. he was giving it to me when, when, when Trussard equalized. And you know what? Fair play. Fair play. Um, big story from this game, though, is that after the match... Chelsea Football Club are reportedly keeping tabs on Aaron Ramsdale's situation uh, and could make a shock move for him in January. Nandan, do you think that David Raya is the answer in goal for Arsenal? Because I personally am not convinced with this David Raya experiment right now, and I think that Aaron Ramsdale has been hard done by. I'm 100% not convinced. Um, I thought Ramsdale was doing just fine in the Arsenal net. He's been there for a couple of years now. He was there through their banter period. He's helped them get back up. I think he's fully deserving to be a starter. Uh, And we're going to talk about this later. Uh, The game, the Champions League game this week against Sevilla, um, Raya almost had another howler in that game. Um, He's been just very shaky. I don't understand what Arteta's trying to do. I don't know if he thinks he's Pep, um, but he's very clearly not. Uh, In terms of Chelsea going for Ramsdale uh, again I'm against that as well simply because Raya and Ramsdale somehow appear to be uh, the British and Spanish versions of each other respectively uh, and that's, I, that's a bit harsh <laughs> nah nah I think I think Raya is a bit below him but I think they're more or less the same keeper and I 100% I, I do agree. Point. I do somewhat agree with the statement, though, because what I was going to say to you is I feel like that the only thing I've seen from David Raya that I haven't seen from Aaron Ramsdale is the ability to ping a pass on somebody's foot at sprint speed from 70 mm. yards away. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's definitely an interesting But, like, it's have. not like Ramsdale was having issues playing out of the back 
with yeah, Arsenal when other teams were pressing them. No. They weren't really ever having issues with Ramsdale playing out of the back. So I'm just I'm kind of confused as to how he went about and lost this position at Arsenal. I'm also if surprised. I'm being honest. I don't know if it's Arteta being a bit too hasty in the decision. I don't know if it's a lack of concentration and focus and training that Arteta's not happy with, but the Aaron Ramsdale situation is certainly an odd one. Indeed. We're going to move away from the Premier League now to La Liga, where there was a big game between Sevilla and Real Madrid that, well, not a single one of us here at Getting a Bit Messy <laughs> predicted, right? Nope. I think every single one of us expected, actually no, everybody but Thomas expected <laughs> Real Madrid to go and get a win. And Thomas was the only one. He said it was going to be a 2-2 draw. It ended up being a 1-1 draw. Mm-hmm. Danny, so- Danny Carvajal had a goal line clearance against Ivan Rakitic. So that would have been that would have been a good scene. Ivan Rakitic scoring against Madrid, just like he's back at Barcelona again. Sergio Ramos played villain in his reunion with Real Madrid. Had a goal line clearance of his own when Kepo's or not Kepo when the Sevilla goalkeeper was beaten. Um, and also picked fights with Antonio Rudiger, <laughs> grabbing his cheeks and making him smile physically, and then hacking Jude Bellingham all game long. You know, it's it's really funny. I I saw people on Twitter over all over football Twitter being like, you know, oh, I never expected this from Ramos against us. I've lost respect for him. Um, You've forgotten what... who Ramos is at his core. Whoever <laughs> had, said that? Madrid had an a, assassin working for them for twenty years, and this surprises them. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> that is a classic Ramos performance, if anything. It was Sevilla in this game that found a scrappy goal and led first, but Madrid striked back very quickly with Danny Carvajal scoring his first goal in two full seasons <laughs> with what you have to say is a brilliant header off a free kick. Mm. Service gets whipped in, and Danny Carvajal gets up higher than anybody else at the near post and sends an absolute bullet header right by the goalkeeper, giving him no chance and pulling Real Madrid equal. Unfortunate side note for this game, however, there is yet another episode of Spanish fans being seen making racist remarks at Vinicius Jr. He has complained for a while now about racism in Spanish football. I think on his social media he was saying, for those of you counting, this is episode, what, 11, 15, 16? It's getting out of hand. Um, The... He's complained for a while about this racism in Spanish football, and the silence from the Spanish Federation in response has been absolutely deafening. And it's pathetic, if you ask me. There's been so many instances with just Vinicius alone. There's been so many of with other players as well. Um, that aren't getting highlighted exactly. because those players aren't the big name like Vinicius. Yeah, and it, it's really sad. And I think the Spanish Federation and just that whole area in general has issues. You know, we saw with uh, Luis Rubiales and the Spanish... Uh, federation with yep. the women's team, the Which, scandal, the Jenny there. Hermoso incident. Yeah, the Jenny Hermoso incident. It's um, it's really sad, and I hope that there is change because it's it's sickening, and I would not be surprised if this drives Vinicius out of La Liga altogether. Hey, all I'm saying is that I wouldn't mind seeing Vinny come to the <laughs> Premier League. Um, I don't obviously I don't want it to happen for reasons like that because no. that would be ag- egregious and horrifying. Um. What I think the saddest part about this episode of racism against Vinicius in Spain is that it's a child. Mm, like this is girl. this is a little girl who is here at the game with either a parent or a family member and is making racist gestures at a professional footballer. 
So that just goes to show you that this isn't just a problem of behavior at the matches. This is a problem of this this stuff is physically ingrained in the youth within mm-hmm. Spain. And if they're being taught things like this, then how are you supposed to go about trying to squash it out of the game? It's a whole systemic issue. It's from the ground up. It's from when they're children, how they're taught, what they're told. Um, it's a very serious issue. And yeah, it is going to take quite a lot to reform this. Indeed. With all of that out of the way, honestly... Looking at this game in hindsight, in my prediction, I should have known that Ramos would find a way to keep points away from Real Madrid. <laughs> that was just a bad pick in last week's predictions for me. I should have known better. Yeah, I think it's actually it's really funny because you take a look at him against Barcelona. He scored the own goal, which ended up being the winner. And then against Madrid, he turns villain and denies them a point. I think, you know, the scriptwriters knew what they were doing with that one. Yeah, 100%. Next game up, we move to the Italian League where it's AC Milan who lost 0-1 to to Juventus who were visiting on the road. Four Americans started in this game, two for each team. It was Yunus Musa and Christian Pulisic lining up in the AC Milan starting 11 with Weston McKinney and Timothy Weah lining up in the Juventus starting 11. So that was an absolutely fantastic scene to see as an American soccer fan. Back in 2016, here's a very fun stat for you, Nandan. Back in 2016, AC Milan beat Juventus 1-0 with Manuel Locatelli scoring the winning goal. Really? Okay. Flash forward seven years from 2016, and Manuel Locatelli scores the winning goal for Juventus to beat Milan 1-0. Oh, my God. Crazy stuff. That is a wild stat. Crazy stuff. Insane longevity. So seven, seven years removed from scoring the winning goal for... AC Milan against Juventus. Manuel Locatelli comes back with Juventus and scores the winning goal to win one nothing against <laughs> AC Milan this time. Crazy stuff. So yeah, I saw that stat and that absolutely had to be included in the episode this week. Mm-hmm. Malik Tia was sent off at the 40th minute, forcing Milan to bring Christian Pulisic off for an extra defender, which completely, like you said, earlier changed the outcome of this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do say um, I watched the first 20 or so minutes and it did seem like a pretty tight game at the start. Uh, that red card defi- redefined everything. I think it forced Milan to go more on the defensive. They lost that explosive uh, nature that Christian Pulisic brings. He's been in incredible form the past couple weeks as well. Uh, so I think bringing him off was a very interesting decision. Um, I thought they would have brought off maybe a midfielder or someone like that. It was very interesting to me and I think that changed the game. Two two questions for you here about these two teams. Yep. Juventus, are they back? Uh, yes and no. Um, I think they're out of the, the banter phase that they've been in the past couple, two, three years uh, with the points deduction and all that. I think they've moved past that and they're on track to get back into Europe's elite, but they are by no means back at that phase. I think it's still going to take maybe another year or two. They have a lot of really young defenders uh, a young team overall. I think it's going to take them another year or two before they really are back to what they were. In okay. All right. And AC Milan, stinker of a week, going downhill, or just a bad patch? That's see. That's a great question to ask because at the start of the season, uh, I was really excited to see this AC Milan team. You know, a lot of former Chelsea players in there. I got a lot of love for them. Uh, you know, Rafael Leal, Christian Pulisic, Olivier Giroud. That's a really interesting front line. Uh, obviously, Eunice Musa in, in midfield as well. 
Um, they've been, I think it's now five games in the UCL without scoring a goal and four competitive games overall without scoring. Not great records to be nope. holding right now for Milan. And I hope I, I hope it's just a bad patch, but I am slightly worried for them, especially moving into the festive period in another one or two months. Um, the run-in is going to be interesting. Hey, at least Christian Pulisic can say that he did his part. He's been, <laughs> he's been scoring goals for them. He's so been doing he's, his bit. Raphael Leo, step it up, man. Somebody else, somebody else has got to contribute some goals as well. Mm -hmm. Moving on, we're going to cover some Champions League games from this past week. First up, a big one, Man United holding a 1-0 win over FC Copenhagen. Listen closely, because I am not going to repeat myself on this one. Harry Maguire, game (laughs) winner in the Champions League. Yep, you heard that right, and I don't need to repeat it because after all of the banter that Harry Maguire has gotten over the past couple of seasons for being, well, simply put, bad, um, it was good to see him actually have his moment for once, you know? Yeah, I you got to give him a lot of credit. You know, there's a lot of players out there that if they got kicked off the starting lineup like that, stripped it a captaincy, all the stuff that's happened with him with the abuse online, I know a lot of players would have kind of just let that happen and then try and find his transfer somewhere else. But for him to deny the West Ham move and then keep saying he's working, work his way back up uh, and have this moment, get man of the match, uh, I think he was like kind of tearing up a little when he got the award. Uh, you have to massive respect to him. You know, It takes a lot of mental fortitude to do that. It does take a lot of mental fortitude. And you have to say, especially in this United team, with all of the issues that there are in this United team right now, I don't think there's a single other player in that team that works to get themselves back into the squad the way that Harry Maguire has worked to get himself back in the squad. 100%. Just to give so much credit to unreal him. professionalism and dedication, and it was so fantastic to see him score. It was a great header, too. It was a very nice header. Down into the ground, up away from the keeper, like exactly what you're taught to as a center back as a young kid. So well done, Harry Maguire. Mm-hmm. Also, it's finally nice to see Sofian Amrabat playing as a defensive midfielder. I quite like him there, you know, Nandan. It's it's uh <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's nice to see him in his natural position. It's, it's almost like he's meant to play there. Uh, but yeah, it was also uh, really good to see Andre Onana out there. Uh, actually, before we get to that, uh, can we talk about Anthony real quick, Connor? Um, I want to know what your thoughts on him right now. This game. I think all that needs to be said about Anthony's performance in this game is that the Manchester United faithful were cheering and clapping when Anthony was substituted off the field. (laughs) And not cheering and clapping as in, oh, thank you for your performance. That was a great time. They were cheering and clapping because Anthony was leaving the field. Thank God you're gone. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's another experiment that I feel like is just spiraling down the drain quicker and quicker at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that you thought could have worked at the start, but now it's one of those how much time do they really need situations, you know? Especially, in my opinion, with players that cost like $100 million. Right, dollars, right exactly. Euros. You only have so much time in that deadline You're to make an impact. You're expected to be a superstar. Um, right. So I'm, I'm losing hope on him, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Man United in general played very well against Sheffield United. Um uh, or no, excuse me. Sofian Amrabat played very well against Sheffield United and wasn't as good this time against Copenhagen, but again, still nice to see him playing in his natural position instead of an outside back, which I have no idea why Ten Hag has insisted on playing Amrabat at outside back because he's not an outside back. Nope. 
However, Amrabat was removed at halftime for Christian Eriksen, who, of course, had the game-winning assist on the cross to Harry Maguire's header at the back post. So, good substitution there. 90th plus 7th minute, Jordan Larson for Copenhagen, the son of Swedish legend Henrik Larson, mm-hmm. steps up to the spot to take a penalty after being subbed on late in the game. And Alejandro Garnacho can be seen ripping up the penalty spot with his cleats while both sets of players are confronting the referee. Then, after Garnacho rips up the penalty spot, Larson's penalty is saved at an easy height by Onana. Shocker. And the final <laughs> whistle blows. He can use his hands. Yeah. Um, what, wow. do you, what do you have to say about those Garnacho antics? Because um, my perspective is that it's disgusting. Yeah, I'm of the same opinion, honestly. Uh, I don't care who does it. I don't care who it's against. Uh, I think there's a certain level of sportsmanship and courtesy that should be given, um, and this is completely out of line. I think apparently he is under he is under investigation right now, apparently by UEFA or someone. I'm not quite sure who. Yes, um, somebody. I think it, I think it actually is UEFA that's yeah, investigating him for his antics. But I'm, I'm honestly, good. Mm, good. Good should be. He deserves. He deserves. Maybe a match ban, a two match ban. Something. Like I wouldn't that. be surprised if he gets a little two match ban for that. Me I would. Too. I would actually enjoy it. Mm-hmm. If I'm being completely honest with you. Um. Anyways, but Onana comes up big on the penalty save, and that is the last kick of the game, and the whistle blows, and Man United, instead of being bottom of the group, go equal on points with Galatasaray in second place. And you have to say, um, Maguire and Onana redemption redemption in one game. Wow, I mean, come on. They're being too nice to us right now. They're being too nice. Um, but it was a good save by him. Uh, I think he really needed that for his own confidence. I think United needed that. Uh, if he concedes that goal, United are, I think, still bottom of the group. Um, a really shaky spot, so they really needed that. It was a pivotal moment. I think you could argue that could be a pivotal moment in their season, too, uh, if this is where Onana starts coming up. Although... I have also heard that apparently United are looking to sign De Gea back on a short-term contract, mainly oh for when God. Onana leaves for the oh African Cup of Nations. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, if you're trying to bring De Gea back, why have you even gotten rid of him in the first place? <laughs> like, Great question to ask, oh honestly. Oh, my goodness. It's Tom tomfoolery. Uh... Moving on, another Champions League game, and this was a big one. Like we said, a bit of a stinker of a week for AC Milan, who got blown out 3-0 by PSG at the Parc des Princes in Paris. This is another tough one on the chin of Milan, who are bottom of the group, no goals in their last five Champions League games, and no goals in their last four games in all competitions. Kylian Mbappe had an absolutely filthy goal right before the break to give PSG the lead. Um, He is perfecting that near post shot, like you said. Mm -hmm. And 17-year-old midfielder Warren Zaire Emery, we have to talk about after this game because, like I said, just 17 years old, and this kid showed immense talent and maturity, making the midfield his own for PSG and going on a mazy run for the first goal. I mean... I, I'm honestly lost for words. You know, when I when I was 17, I was trying to do that kind of stuff in FIFA, and here this guy, here this kid is, bossing the PSG midfield on a Champions League night against AC Milan. Um, that run he had for the first goal was unbelievable. He ran through I think at least three different midfielders for Milan, uh, and the entire game he showed so much maturity. Uh, you wouldn't, 
if you just didn't know about anything about him, I wouldn't have guessed he was 17 years old. He felt like a experienced veteran in that midfield. Um, great, great game for him. Yeah. So are things starting to click for PSG, or are AC Milan just in a rut, like we just talked about? PSG reminder: are top of the group now, two points above Dortmund in the group of death. See. That's an interesting question. Um, I think they are starting to maybe click together. I saw Dembele had really good combinations with Rondal Colomani for the second goal. He's been under fire the last couple games with no goals, no assists. Uh, I think Enrique is starting to get it right. He's starting to figure out what works for this team and what doesn't. But by no means do I think this makes them any kind of contender. Uh, I still think that they are maybe a round of 16 team at best. I don't even really trust them to make it out of this group, to be frankly honest with you. Um, but who knows if they if they prove me wrong, so be it. Um, but I don't I don't think it's starting to click just yet. I think it's going to take a bit more time. Also, fantastic to see Kang and Lee score his first goal for PSG. So hopefully he's off the mark and he'll make it more often in the goals for PSG. 100%. We're going to move on to our quick fire results now that we've taken almost half an hour with our <laughs> breakdowns. Oh, jeez. Um, Premier League games, we're going to start off with Bournemouth 1-2 Wolves. Lewis Cook was sent off in the 54th minute on a straight red card. We will talk about this later, don't worry. A horrible pass from the goalkeeper lets Wolves in on goal in the 88th minute, and Mateus Cunha scored an absolute wonder goal one minute after the second half started to equalize for Wolves. Um, so that is another good result for Wolves, who are on a good string of form, especially after beating Manchester City. Mm-hmm. Um, Brentford 3, Burnley 0. First start for Neil Mope for Brentford since returning from loan at Everton. Goal of the year contenders were just scored for fun in this game. <laughs> Like, I don't know who watched this game, but if you watched Brentford versus Burnley, you were treated to two absolute stunners. First, it was Brian Mbumo who scored a belter, a goal of the year contender, as he made a move down the right-hand side of the field, played somebody down the ring with the outside of his right, right foot. Then the ball was crossed into the target striker, and the target striker lays it off for Mbumo, who smashes it top corner. Yeah, some absolute incredible goals in this game. Mbueno... Mbwemo, he's been actually really good this season overall. Uh, probably one of the best picks I made in my FPL team this season. Uh, carrying great, FPL points for carrying you. Carrying my FPL right now. Heavy carrying. Uh, he's been doing great, and you know Brentford have been on a good run, so hopefully that continues. And yeah, even uh, the third goal, I believe it was, if, if I'm not wrong, correct? Yes, uh, was the third goal by Semen Godos. Uh, Koliosho, by the way, missed an absolute sitter for Burnley with 15 minutes left, so that's a comeback that maybe could have been. But they'll look for that, look at that one, and think that's one that got away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, Simon Godas then outdid Brian Mbuma's, uh top corner shot with a half volley taken off his chest from outside the 18-yard box. Take a bow, son. So oh I was sitting, Lord. I was sitting typing notes for this game, and all of a sudden my jaw just hit the floor when Mbumas <laughs> went in, and then my jaw broke through the floor after <laughs> Godos's went in. So. Yeah, that was that was a great game. Surprisingly, I wouldn't have expected Brentford three Burnley zero to be that good. Moving on, it's Man City two and one Brighton. Do you want to run us through this Man City game, Nandan? A hundred percent. Yeah, City were in a bit of a rut here. Two games on the bounce uh, without a win, both consecutive losses. Uh, trying to make sure they didn't lose three straight for the first time since 2016, I believe. Uh, and they delivered. Uh, Julian Alvarez scored six minutes in. Uh, an incredible move, him and Do- Jeremy Doku combining incredibly. 
Uh, Doku, Doku's been an incredible signing for Man City on that wing, displacing Jack Grealish. Uh, he's been really electric, explosive, kind of like a Leroy Sané type player. Uh, I'm really excited to see how he develops. Uh, and then Erling Holland breaks his, what, six-goal goal drought? Uh, you know it's bad when six goals is considered, six games six is considered games a considered, drought. Yeah. Uh, but he's got it slotted the bottom corner, 18 minutes in. Uh, from the top of the 18, a very good finish, uh, putting the tap-in merchant allegations to bed. Uh, and Ansu Fati also scored, giving Brighton some hope with 18 minutes left in the game. Unfortunately, it is not enough for the city uh, to beat the city side. Although, also important to note, Manuel Kanji sent off for a second yellow late in the game. He will now miss the Manchester Derby. A huge loss for City, you have to say. But is it bigger than Rodri? No, no, it's not bigger than Rodri. <laughs> as long as City have Rodri back against Man U, they're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. Don't you worry. They're going to find somebody else to slot in at, at outside back for Akanji. <laughs> It'll be just fine. Yep, also important to know Ansu Fati. Uh, I think two goals in three games now for Brighton, starting to heat up. Uh, interesting to see how he does this season. Yeah. Uh, moving on, it's going to be Newcastle 4-0 Crystal Palace. This is a rough away trip for Palace, who have been impressive recently, but had four different goal scorers score against them today. It was Jacob Murphy, uh, Anthony Gordon, Sean Longstaff, and Callum Wilson. And so, a shout-out to Jacob Murphy as well, a goal and two assists. He played incredible. Uh, Newcastle were actually up three at the half, so a very easy day at the office for them. Some bad news about Murphy, though, is that he is now injured. He's picked up an injury, and he's going to be out for the EFL Cup game against Man U, apparently. Ooh, that's a big loss. That is a big loss. Jacob Murphy has been very impressive lately. Moving on, we have Nottingham 2, Luton Town 2. Chris Wood was at the double and put Forrest 2-0 up with 15 minutes left in the game. Surely that's enough for Forrest to get a result at home against Luton Town, right? No. <laughs> Defensive disconnect on a free kick from Forrest leaves Luton one goal off with eight minutes in regulation left to play. And then Adebayo outmuscles Joe Worrell and smashes it past Matt Turner to rescue a point for the Hatters on the road. Next up, Sheffield United played Man United, where we had a 1-2 game where Man United won. Scott McTominay, a.k.a. the new R9 Ronaldo, has scored again and keeps finding himself in really good areas and capitalizing on those opportunities when they present themselves. It's amazing to see what some confidence does to a player. 100%. Uh, and three minutes later, McTominay has a handball in the box. Uh, hero to zero, as they say. Uh, and McBurney buries the penalty, uh, giving Sheffield United level. Uh, Onana guessed the right way this time. Just did not save it, uh, which was interesting. Uh, Amrabat almost scores a screamer before Diego Dallo scores a beautiful curler from outside the box. Uh, United hold on and win 2-1. Next up, we've got La Liga game, Celta Vigo 0, Atletico Madrid 3, where it's an epic Antoine Griezmann hat trick that earns three crucial road points for Atletico as they also keep a push at the top of the table alive. Good to see 2018 World Cup Grizzly back again. Serie A games, Hellas Verona 1, 3, Napoli, where it's Cavaradana with a brace on the day but Matteo Politano earns player of the game honors after both a goal of his own and both assists to Kvaratskhelia. Yep, solid result all around. Torino 0 and Inter Milan 3. It took them until the second half, but Marcus Taram broke the deadlock for Milan, and Latoro Martinez and Hakan Chalhanoglu add insurance goals late in the game to get all three points, and again on the road for Inter Milan. So they actually have had some good road results this year. Mm-hmm. Some 
quick Bundesliga results. Nandan, you want to take us away with Bundesliga? Of course, yes. Some quick results. Uh, Darmstadt 1, RB Leipzig 3. Uh, Luis Apenda scores a brace. Uh, that's a name we haven't heard in quite a minute, uh, so good to see him still up and running. Uh, Union Berlin dropping to 3-0 to uh, Stuttgart. Uh, Cyril Gerasi scores once again. He's in incredible form this season. Uh, and Stuttgart find themselves second after eight games, which in this incredible Bundesliga season so far. Uh, Wolfsburg 1, Leverkusen 2. Bayer Leverkusen stay top of the table through goals from Frimpong and Grimaldo. Frimpong has been unreal this season. Unreal. And Leverkusen overall. Xabi Alonso has done incredible with them. Uh, Mines 3, Bayern Munich 1. Uh, Kingsley Komen, Harry Kane, and Leon Goretzka all bag in this game for Bayern. Uh, and they now sit two points off Leverkusen. Uh, and finally, Dortmund beat Werder Bremen 1-0. Uh, Julian Brandt scores the long goal for this one. Uh, and, Connor, you want to take this one? Absolutely. This one is for any fans of the One Piece anime. Uh, Julian Brandt, after he scored this goal against Werder Bremen, ran to the side and hit Trafalgar D-Law's room technique as a celebration, which was epic as a One Piece fan myself. Uh, moving on, we have some league on results, starting with PSG giving Strasbourg the smackdown 3-0, where PSG rode Kylian Mbappe, Carlos Soler, and Fabian Ruiz's goals to a comfortable and dominant win. Also, Nice picked up a 1-0 win over Marseille, who, being managed by Gennaro Gattuso at the moment, now find themselves now find themselves in a little bit of a drop the past couple games, especially after their Europa League game as well. Um, nice, however, find themselves sitting second place in Ligue 1, so having a great season so far. Mm-hmm. Moving on, it's back to the Premier League on Sunday. Aston Villa 4, West Ham 1. Since when was Douglas Louise this good? <laughs> a brace on the day and one of Villa's leading goal scorers this season. Definitely didn't have that one on my bingo card before this season started. <laughs> Back to La Liga, Girona pick up a 5-2 win against Almeria. Wow, Girona mean business. Their push for the top clearly wasn't a fluke. They've now scored 24 goals in 10 games, which is the most goals scored in La Liga this season. Nandan, you want to tell us about the Barcelona game? Oh, yeah, the Barcelona game, very fascinating stuff. A very tight game until almost the 80th minute uh, when 17-year-old Marc Gouy scores his first goal for the Barcelona first team just 23 seconds after subbing on for his debut. Uh, with his first touch of the game as well, I believe, uh, scoring the winner, a great result. And you have to say, La Masia just always seems to bail Barca out when they need it most. 100%. Xavi's squad of young ballers always produced when he needs them to. Moving back to Italy, it was Roma picking up a 1-0 win over Monza, and a 90th-minute winner now pushes Roma up into 7th position in Serie A. And a reminder that they had a very rough start to league play. So Jose Mourinho has turned this Roma side around and got them moving in the right direction. Back to France, we had Monaco beating Mets 2-1, where league leaders Monaco keep their composure at the top and are kept at the top while both Nice and PSG breathe down their necks. Lyon 1 and Clermont Foot 2. I feel like we're saying it every week at this point, but Wow. Another shocking result for a club that is in some major, major trouble right now. It's a battle between number 17 and number 18 in the league, and number 17 comes out on top. Lyon can't do anything right at the moment. 
for large portions of the game. It even looked like they were going to go on to lose by two or more goals to the 17th ranked team in league on. So just a really odd situation there right now. And honestly, I don't know where they can go from here. I'm not too down. sure. I'm not too sure either. Honestly, they have a really talented squad. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but anyway, that was Sunday's results. Uh, moving on to Monday in the Premier League. Uh, Tottenham beat Fulham 2-0. Hyungmin Son and James Madison both have been incredible for Spurs this season. Madison for $40 million in particular, probably one of these signings of the summer. Uh, no Kane, no problem for Spurs, it seems, who now find themselves at the top of the Prem solely after Arsenal's draw at Chelsea. Moving on to Serie A, Fiorentina dropped points to 2-0 to Napoli. Uh, to Empoli. Empoli, sorry. Oh, mixing up my polis here. <laughs> Uh, two weeks removed from an impressive win against Napoli. See, there that's where go. it comes that's from. Where you got, that's yep. where you got mixed up. Uh, this is certainly one to forget for Fiorentina fans. Sorry, sorry Max. Max. Sorry yeah, about if you're that. listening, sorry, Max. We had to throw the Fiorentina result in there. <laughs> yep, Connor, you want to talk us through the Champions League on the, on Tuesday? Tell you what, I'll talk us through Tuesday. You talk us through Wednesday. And let's I'm do done. it. So let's start on Tuesday where it was Bayern Munich on the road to Galatasaray. Istanbul is an incredibly hostile environment on a European night, but this is the European giant we're talking about. 37 UCL group stage matches unbeaten as Bayern swat away another annoying fly. Kingsley Komen, Harry Kane, and Jamal Musiala all find the back of the net in this game, and Bayern go on to win 3-1. Lance won, won PSV. Johan Bakayoko and Eli Wahi goals are enough to see both teams share the spoils and push Lance to second place in Group B. Another one I wouldn't have predicted. Sevilla won to Arsenal, and just like that, Sevilla sit in a Europa <laughs> League spot, just where they want to be. Of course. Gabby's scoring goals for fun, both Martinelli and Gabriel Jesus. In the goals, Jesus goes off injured around the 80th minute. Between this and the Arsenal game, I am not 100% convinced, or the Chelsea game, excuse me. Between this and the Chelsea game, I'm not 100% convinced with the David Rye experiment. And I think that Ramsdale, again, has been hard done by. Um, moving on, it's Braga 1, Real Madrid 2. Can you take a guess, Nandan, who scored a goal for Real Madrid today? <laughs> I wonder who it could have been. That's right, Nandan. Jude Bellingham scored a goal again. Wow. <laughs> oh, surprise. Can we take a moment, though, to stop and appreciate Braga's stadium as they casually carved this football stadium into the side of a mountain with Beautiful. massive cliff walls Beautiful. in the backdrop? beautiful stadium. Braga pulled one back, but Bellingham's goal proved to be a game winner. Moving on, Union Berlin. I know we talked about them already. They lost 0-1 to Napoli, and this is now nine matches lost in a row for Union Berlin. Very different reaction, however, from the Lyon fans as all of the ultras stayed to console the team after the match, heaping praise and appreciation on them. Yeah, you mean the Union Berlin fans? Yes, yes. Um, Kvaradana won man of the match, but it's Giacomo Raspadori's goal that takes all three points on the road for Napoli. Last two games, it's Inter Milan 2-1 Salzburg, and Inter are now tied atop the group with Real Sociedad. Huh? Yeah, another one that you probably wouldn't have had on your bingo card. Speaking of Real Sociedad, a one nothing win over Benfica this week in the Champions League sees them share that top spot with Inter Milan. Takafusa Kubo has been an absolute delight to watch play football this season. He is really playing with a new intensity I haven't seen from him before. And Bryce Mendez's goal is enough for Sociedad to steal all three points on the road and move into that top spot of the group. Yep, overall some really solid games. Moving on to Wednesday, Feyenoord 3, Lazio 1. 
Uh, Mexican striker Santi Jimenez scores a brace on his Champions League debut, which is a great start for him. And her part, his partner loses her mind in the stands. Uh, a very wholesome moment. Uh, and hopefully he goes on to be a bigger, a big player for this Mexican team in the future. Uh, Celtic 2, Atletico Madrid 2. Tough one to take for Atletico Madrid. Uh, two teams fairly leagues apart, I would say. Celtic shouldn't have had a chance in this game. Uh, but they hold on and come back from a goal down not once, but twice. Uh, and shout out to the atmosphere in Celtic Park in this game. It was outrageous. Uh, great support. Uh, Newcastle nil, Dortmund won. Another tough result to take for Newcastle. Seemingly the favorites in this game. They could have topped the group with a win. Uh, unfortunately, though, they now slide into a Europa League spot with Felix Nemeka's goal for Dortmund just before halftime, blowing group, the group of death wide open. Uh, moving on, RB Leipzig 3, Red Star Belgrade 1. Xavi Simmons uh, scores a belter along with an assist on the day. An incredible what a young special, talent. special young talent Xavi Simmons is. Special man right there. Do you think he features for PSG in the future, or do you think he moves to a better I club? I honestly see him moving on to a better club. I could see him going back to Barcelona. I know he's a La Masia mm. product, so I could see him back in Barca someday. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Uh, moving on, Young Boys 1, Manchester City 3. And, oh my, Erling Holland has broken his goal drought in the Champions League. How many games was that? Three? Yeah, yeah, something <laughs> like that. So everybody should be scared because Erling Holland's goal drought is over in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. And it's looking very likely now for City and Leipzig to go through. Moving on, Barcelona 2, Shakhtar Donetsk 1. Ferran Torres and Fermin Lopez's first half goals are enough to see Barca pass Shakhtar, uh, who only managed to put a single shot on target out of 11. Also, a shout-out to Fermin Lopez, an incredible goal right before halftime. Another fantastic La Masia youth product. I'm telling you, La Masia, man. Moving on to the final game for today, uh, for Wednesday, sorry. Royal Antwerp 1, FC Porto 4. Pepe becomes the oldest outfield player to play in a Champions League game at 40 years old. Uh, And a bit of a misleading scoreline, considering Antwerp actually held more possession. Uh, They were shot, outshot 4-2, unfortunately, and Porto... Had no issues putting them to bed. Connor, you want to take us through Thursday's Europa League games? Yeah, one thing about that Porto game, by the way, Porto scored four goals decide, despite only producing an XG of 1.29, so make that one make sense for me. Oof. Anyways, Thursday we had some crazy Europa League games. First, Liverpool beat Toulouse 5-1. The Toulouse fans created a scene at the Liverpool Central train station on their way to Anfield. The Reds went up 1-0 within 10 minutes thanks to Diogo Jota and then conceded one of their own just seven minutes later, driving me mad, this football club. <laughs> but then it was okay because Wataru Endo scores his first Liverpool goal to put the Reds back in front, and Darwizzi, our lord and savior, Darwin Nunez, added an insurance goal just before halftime. Then, though, in the second half, Darwin Nunez is through on goal, dances around the defender, dances around the goalkeeper, and with a wide-open goal all to himself... Manages to hit the post. <laughs> no need to fear, though. Gravenberch is there. Another world-class display from Ryan Gravenberch as he cleaned up Nunez's howler nicely and dances around the goalkeeper himself to slot the ball home and put Liverpool 4-1 up. Sala was subbed on late in the game, and Sala roofed the ball into the net in the 90th plus third. You can't keep him out of the goals, even when he's only given 20 minutes. Brighton beat Ajax 2-0. Brighton are back in the win column after a couple of bumps in recent games, and they hit Ajax while they're already down. Ajax got embarrassed again today by a Brighton team that has struggled to adapt fully to the European schedule, you have to say, and João Pedro and Ansu Fati score again 
Fati potentially heating up, like you said, two goals in three games for Fati on loan from Barca. Roma 2-0 Slavia Prague. And, oh, by the way, Romelu Lukaku has scored again for Roma. Olympiacos beat West Ham 2-1 in an ugly, ugly away day that West Ham will want to forget about quickly with a massive opportunity to rebuild confidence against Everton this weekend. And then we had a quick game from earlier today. Crystal Palace lost 2-0 to... No, 2-1, excuse me, to Tottenham as Joel Ward scored an own goal that put Tottenham 1-0 up in the second half of play. James Madison pressed the ball and forced an error out of the goalkeeper and then hit a shot to the back post that deflected off Joel Ward. The whole game went completely Spurs as well, you have to say, and they have looked very impressive under Ange Postacoglu and the job that he's done at Spurs. Mm-hmm. 65th minute, Hyungman's son finishes a beautiful team move with James Madison and Brennan Johnson, who just subbed on, by the way. That's eight goals in Sun's last seven Premier League games. And then Jordan Ayew pulled one back for Palace in the 90th plus fifth, but it was already a bit too late. We are going to take a short break now, but we will be back momentarily to bring you this week's Honker of the Week and our predictions at pace for this week's matches ahead. So don't go anywhere. All right, we are back, and it is time for Honker of the Week. This week's Honker of the Week award is a shared prize that goes first off to Lewis Cook of AFC Bournemouth in the Premier League, who, like we said, was sent off on a straight red card in their loss to Wolves, headbutting Huang Hee Chan in the eye socket after Huang confronted him for a horrible tackle. The prize is shared, however, this week with Ajax in general as a football club, who it's safe to say are having a literal honker of a season. They lost 4-3 to FC Utrecht this past weekend, and manager Maurice Stein was fired after the performance. Reminder, it's only October, the second month of the season. And they got battered on the road in Europa League by a Brighton side that, to be honest, have not looked entirely like themselves recently. Ajax now find themselves sitting one spot off the bottom of the Eredivisie in the Netherlands, gathering just five points from seven matches so far. Yeah. Definition of honker, Nandan. Yeah, it's it's honestly, I'm, it's tough to see that this is the same team that five years ago was waltzing their way to the Champions League semifinals. Uh, quite the fall from grace. You have to wonder, has their talent ID been the best in the past couple of years, especially as a team that sells off their big players for big money? Uh, it just hasn't been going right for them. So you're going to have to see how they recover from that. All right. Originally, we were going to do a preview of the big matches coming up this weekend, but unfortunately, we have run out of time to run that segment today. So we are just going to move on to our predictions at pace. Don't worry, though, because Thomas has given us his predictions ahead of time. So, Nandan, without further ado, are you ready for your predictions at pace, my friend? Let's do it, Con. Let's start with El Clasico, Barcelona versus Real Madrid. How do you think that one's going to go? Thomas says 2-0 to Barca. I'm saying I'm going to say 3-1 to Barcelona. I think they're going to I think they're going to I think they're going to really take it to Madrid. All right, in that case, I feel like I have to go the other way, so I'm going to say <laughs> it's going to go 3-1 to Real Madrid. <laughs> Next up, we have Manchester Derby time. It's Manchester United versus Manchester City. Thomas thinks that Man City, it's going to be a close game, but they come out 3-2 on top. You know, um, whichever way I predict this is not going to end well for me. I don't like either of these results, so I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw. Dang it, you took my pick. I was going to say (laughs) 2-2 draw, so I'm going to say... I'm going to say that Man United somehow managed to win this game 2-1. Oh, really? Yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna go against the grain since my okay. picks haven't been going well recently. Scott McTominay clutching up. Inter Milan versus Roma next. 
in Serie A. Thomas says this one's going to be 2-0 to Inter Milan. I think, Nandan, that this one is going to be a 1-1 draw. I'm going to go... I kind of want to go against the grain with this one. I'm going to go 1-0 Roma. Interesting. Very interesting. Next up, again in Serie A, it's Napoli playing AC Milan. Both AC Milan in a bit of a slump at the moment and Napoli picking up some form again. Thomas says 1-1 draw, though. I'm going to go 2-1 Napoli. I think Milan are still going to have to take some time to get back into it. I think my boy Christian Pulisic is not going to... Yeah, nope. 2-0. 2-1, sorry. You say 2-1 to Napoli. I say it's going to be 2-0 to Napoli because Milan have been having an absolute honker at the moment. (laughs) Last game for predictions, it's Manchester United versus Newcastle in the EFL Cup, and Thomas thinks this one is going to go 1-0 Man United's way. Are we calling pens on this too or no? Uh, If you want to, you can. I'm going to say 1-1 and Newcastle win on pens. Okay, 1-1 Newcastle win on pens. I am going to say that this one is going to be a 2-1 Manchester United win. All right. Unfortunately, that's all we've had time to talk about here today on the Getting a Bit Messy show on WECB. But we hope to see all our football-loving friends right back here at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time next Friday, November 3rd, to get a bit messy with us here in the studio. A reminder to send any fan mail to gettingabitmessy at gmail.com, and we will feature our favorite messages on the show every week. I, as always, have been your host, Connor Donovan, joined today by my wonderful co-host and football-loving friend, Nandan Nair, who is running our sound mixer. And we will see you all next time on Getting a Bit Messy.